Welcome back to Second and Short. It is Friday, September 22nd, 2023. We've got a great weekend ahead of us in the NFL. A lot of college football, which we did talk about on the last episode. Won't be talking much college football today. But we also have an MLB recap, MLB playoff picture. Um, a lot happening. Uh, about nine games left in most team seasons now. So a lot happening in the MLB and a lot happening in the Prem. It's all back. Um, we'll talk a little bit about what happened last week, but the big thing is uh, what's happening this weekend because there's a couple of great matches, and then we're going to recap the Champions League matches from this week, uh, just go through the results, talk about them a little bit, and then finish it off with questions time. Luke, how are you feeling? Three episodes in a row. I'm great, and I'm I'm supporting the Brooks hat. <laughs> Kyle, yes, if you know what I mean, where you at, bro? Yeah, for a change, I'm not. I'm not wearing a Braves hat. I'm wearing a Tampa Bay Double Rays hat. It's still a sick hat. So. It is a sick hat, and I got the Florida State hat up here, too. Nice. Look at that. But might as well Cat go guys. ahead and get into it. NFL Week 3. Um, let's talk about the Thursday night game that's tonight. Uh, we're recording this mid-afternoon, so got to talk a little bit. You know, make people think we know what we're talking about. Because they're going to be hearing this after the game's already happened. But San Francisco's 11-point favorites. I see no world where the Giants win. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I think the Giants are not going to look as bad as we think. Even without Saquon. You just have to get that, you know, second-half offense throughout the entire game. Um, I mean, they definitely have, you know, some weapons there to compete with that 49ers defense. It's just... They're going to have to keep up the entire game. They're not going to be able to show up for only the second half or only yeah. a quarter. Yeah, because by then you're you're already down quite a lot. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the Rams last week showed that there are some weak points in the secondary for the 49ers. And, and I think Daniel Jones and this wide receiver core that they have is pretty good with the deep ball. So um, Daniel Jones is going to have to do a lot more now that Saquon's out. He's probably going to get more carries than Matt Breida will. But for San Fran, it's just about doing your thing. Stay consistent with how you have all season, and you're just going to continue to win football games. And I mean, get some pressure on Daniel Jones. You know, wear yeah. him out early in the game so he can't, you know, the second half come back out and start, you know, making things happen. You know, yeah. go ahead and start getting to him pretty early. Or don't, because I think I'm going to start him in fantasy over Baker Mayfield. So Again? Yeah, I'm doing it again. I mean – Dan, Daniel Baker's Jones Baker's playing points. the Eagles. Daniel Jones is playing the the 49ers. Either way, it's a death trap. Um, yeah. So I'm just gonna hope that the rest of my team does their thing because I do not want to start zero <laughs> three. Uh, but let's talk about the games that we, by the time you're listening, won't know about. Uh, let's talk Chargers Vikings. So this one originally the spread was even when I wrote the prep sheet uh, yesterday, but the line has changed to minus one for the Vikings. So the Vikings, a one-point favorite, over-unders 54, and I don't know how to think about this. Like, what what am I supposed to think about this game? Because these are probably the two best (laughs) 0-2 teams up to this point. The Bengals, probably a close third. Maybe you could argue for them. These are the two best. And it's for different reasons on both sides. And I don't know. Like, these offenses like to pass. We know that especially considering that Eckler's out, 
Cam Akers probably won't be quite ready for this game. We might see him a little bit. Yeah, yes, uh, the, the no, we never talked about this. Cam Akers got traded to the Vikings. Yeah, give you that as well. <laughs> no, the Chargers or the Vikings? Uh, Cam Akers got tra- uh, traded to the Vikings. Oh wow! Yeah, for it's I actually think pretty like good a, for them. A sixth round pick. That's all it took. Okay. Yeah, I thought for some reason I was thinking it was to the Chargers, but um, no, they have it's going to be a defi- definitely a big upgrade for Madison, and then Madison yeah. can you know revert back to his uh, OP B uh, two role. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What he's good at, which is not being a starter. <laughs> uh, but Austin Eckler missed practice again uh, yesterday. I don't know about his status today. He's likely going to be out, so we're probably going to see Joshua Kelly in that running back role this weekend, and. It just kind of goes furthermore to say that these offenses are going to pass the ball. The thing is, <laughs> there is might that, be a hundred fucking passes this game between these yeah. two quarterbacks. Oh, I, I think <laughs> that's almost certain because yeah. look, okay, the Vikings' issue so far has been turnovers for sure. The fumbles, the the dropping the ball into the end zone, picks, anything like that. It's been turnovers for the Vikings, but the Chargers' issue has been the defense. They're putting up tons of points on the board and letting every team stay within a couple of points with them. That's why they're 0-2. So if the Chargers haven't made changes over the past week, then the Vikings might be at an advantage in this one. Yeah, I mean, the Chargers definitely have a little bit of a pass rush. You know, you saw last week Joey Bosa going into the Titans game questionable. He's still getting two sacks. You know, Joey Bosa is going to do his thing. But they just do not have the defensive secondary to keep them in games. Yeah, which is crazy considering they have J.C. Jackson and Asante Samuel on each side, and then you also have Derwin James, who's an all-pro first-team safety. Yeah, I know. And and with those three players, you still have Ryan Tannehill only missing four passes for 246 yeah. yards and a touchdown. Um, so I'm not really, you know, too sure there. But, you know, like I said, they did get to him five times. Um. I, I am predicting – I have a hot take for this game. Well, okay. it may not even be a hot take. This game will be the highest-scoring game of the entire season. I definitely think it has that potential because the Vikings' yeah. defense certainly hasn't been good either. Absolutely not. And Absolutely not. I, I think one thing that could help the Vikings out is if they can run the ball better because, yes, they pass uh, amongst the best, but – Yes, you added Cam Akers. Like I said, I don't know what his status is going to be going into this. Nonetheless, you got to run the ball better. They've only run the ball 26 times in these two games, and they're averaging 2.7 yards per carry. Yeah, that's um, that's not good at all. No. <laughs> not at all. It's probably making them miss Dalvin Cook a little bit. Yeah. Sure. Um, definitely a big reason why this team's 0-2. Yeah. And it, let's let's just face it, if either of these teams have showed us anything to start this year, it's going to be a close game, and it's going to be high scoring. Um, you know, No wonder there was no spread to, to start, and now the Vikings are only a one-point <laughs> favorite. I, yeah, I just honest, think – oh, go ahead. I was going to say, like, I, I really don't think I could give you a, a winner or loser for this game. Me neither. It, it's anybody's game. They're just going to score a lot. That's my only prediction. Yeah. But my biggest question for the Vikings is, can they turn these yards into touchdowns? Because they're they're facing a defense that has given up the most total yards and the most passing yards per game of anybody. But will the Vikings just continue to fall apart when they get to the opposing side of the field? 
that's a good point. And I mean, it, it's weird because you still have like red zone weapons there. Justin Jefferson is a weapon anywhere on the field. Yeah. TJ Hawkinson is seriously deadly in the red zone. But, you know, you can only do so much with those two guys without the run game. And I, I think, you know, to your point, we might need to see some more successful runs in the red zone for the Vikings if they're going to be successful. Yeah. Look, running is just going to put them in a better position every time. Uh, it, that's just how that goes. And if they can't utilize it at all, which is what they've done in these first two games, they're going to be in for a rude awakening when they face a team that actually does march down the field and get their points a lot of the time. Exactly. And even, you know, I can speak for both of these teams here. Running the game is going to running the game. Running the ball is going to be essential in this game. Because on the other side is an offense that's hungry as fuck and can, you know, put up points at ease. So it's going to be, you know, keeping the other offense off the field. But I honestly don't know if either of these two teams are capable of doing that right now. I'm not sure. So I'm kind of in the same boat with you. I don't think I could pick a winner. All I know is it's going to be high scoring. It's going to be close. I cannot believe that one of these teams is going to be 0-3 after this game. That's so unfortunate. It is kind of (laughs) crazy. Uh, but let's talk about the next two, Falcons versus Lions. The Lions are three-and-a-half-point favorites, probably because it's at home. I think that probably gives it the most, especially because this is the Falcons' first time on the road this season. Over-under at 46, so they're looking at not a super high-scoring game, but definitely some potential for a close one. Sure, and I cannot wait how these two teams are going to match up because you have a Lions team who – completely shut down the Chiefs' run game week one with Pacheco and Edwards Hilaire, and then they did it again against the Seahawks with Kenneth Walker. But on the other side, the Falcons have been able to do literally whatever they want on the ground with Algier and Bijan Robinson. Um, and on the other side, you know, the Falcons, I don't really know how their secondary is going to be able to fare against this, you know, really efficient passing offense from the Lions. You know, they don't do anything flashy, but they – don't turn the ball over a lot, and Jared Goff seems to complete his passes. So this is going to be a super underrated matchup. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, I think that both of these teams have played pretty well. Uh, you know, despite the Lions losing one last week in overtime to the Seahawks, they still played a good game. But both of them definitely have things to prove. You said it. it, it the Lions are a team that, that stops the run very well. If the running game is not there for the Falcons – can we trust Desmond Ritter to pass the ball efficiently? I mean, he has the weapons, and you and I talked about it. Um, I don't know if it was Tuesday or Thursday, but you have got to start throwing the ball deep to Kyle Pitts, yes. and I think that's going to be a huge key to beat the uh, beating the Lions because you know, the Lions let Geno kind of do whatever he wanted to. Geno looked really, really good against the Lions, and I think it, it creates a, a unique opportunity for Desmond Ritter to really show out despite the Lions having um, a lot of dogs in that secondary. Yeah, but they are missing some key guys as well. Uh, and I think that's kind of a game-changer for the Falcons in this. The The Falcons are missing nobody at the moment. At the moment, everybody is healthy. Uh, but for the Lions, C.J. Garner-Johnson was placed on the I.L., so he's out. Oh, wow. David Montgomery is hurt. Uh, didn't practice, likely out. And then Amon Ra also didn't practice on Wednesday due to a toe injury. So whether he plays or not, most likely he will. He's not going to be 100%. Yeah, um, and that's huge Yeah, the Falcons going into this game. That's oh, big. Yeah. And I mean, hey, 
Another exciting story that I think is going to come out of this game is it's going to be Jameer Gibbs time. Yes. So I, that's going to be really, really fun to see how that plays out. Can't yeah. Wait. I, I'm, I'm interested to see for the Lions because they've kept up a very good balance of running and passing in these first two games. Can they keep up that successful balance with David Montgomery out? Are they going to put their faith in Jameer Gibbs or are they going to boost the passes for Jared Goff and possibly put themselves in a bad spot against the secondary for the Falcons that has certainly been better than expected. Yeah, that, that's going to be a good point. Honestly, I, I really don't know how that's going to play out. Um, it's, it, it's a unique opportunity for Jameer Gibbs because he really does have all their offense kind of on his shoulders because I could totally see it, you know, if he is getting stuffed and they are having to rely on Jared Goff more, Mistakes are bound to be made no matter how good of a quarterback you are. I mean, the Bengals prove it, you know, they've proved it the last two weeks without Joe Mixon, you know, uh, playing well. So it's going to be, it's going to be, like I said, it's a unique matchup, man. It's, it's going to be great. It is. Uh, I, I personally have to ride with my Falcons. I, I love how they match up in this. The, the inactives tell the story to me. Um, cause those are big names, really big names. I, I know as well. With, with how good this pass rush has become for the Falcons, Frank Ragnow, their all-pro center for the Lions, he's a little banged up as well. So that's another part that's going to help us out. So I like the Falcons here. I think they take it probably probably a close one, probably like 24-21. I'm going to flip uh, same score Lions win. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right, well, let's move to the next one. This one, um, a big one. We've got another Monday night double feature, and we're talking about both of them. But first, Eagles-Buccaneers. Eagles are a five-point favorite, the same over-under as Falcons lines, a 46-point line. I I just think with the Eagles, I I get five-point favorites against a Buccaneers team that should not be this good. Totally makes sense. Both 2-0 teams. (coughs) There's still something missing with the Eagles. I don't know what it is, but week one, they just couldn't get the offense going, both passing and rushing. And they played wire-to-wire close game with the Patriots. Week two, they, they took some, it took some time to get the passing game going, but eventually it got there. But it was mainly the running game, especially in that first half. DeAndre Swift carried. I just... I see this kind of balance evening out a little bit more, maybe this week, maybe over the next few weeks, but they just need to to figure out what their game plan is because it doesn't seem like, it it seems like they, they go into a game, they have an idea, and then they immediately get shut down once and they just switch everything up and it just slows down how well they can play throughout the first half. That's a great point, and it's it's not like the Eagles don't have the weapons to compete with any defense in the NFL, you know. They still have Devonta Smith, Dallas, Goddard, Dallas Goddard, and, you know, A.J. Brown, of course, but I think the problem is A.J. Brown's not getting enough looks. Um, yeah. I, I'm looking at it here, and his, his total stats with these two weeks are 11 receptions, 108 yards, and no touchdowns. That's like one game for him, a good day. And I, I think that's kind of where they're losing out on because looking at it here against the Vikings, he, they only completed 18 passes. J- Jalen Hurts didn't even have 200 yards. They uh, touchdown and a pick. 
Uh, A.J. Brown, four receptions, only six targets. Devonta Smith, four receptions, only five targets. So I, I don't think they're doing enough in the pass game. Um, and they're not really letting Jalen Hurts ride. It's kind of it's, – it's weird. But, I mean, of course, you know, you could look at the Vikings game and be like, well, if DeAndre Swift is, you know, going for almost 200 yards, you probably don't need to pass the ball that much. Yeah. But I, I think what's hurting them is they're not letting A.J. Brown rock like he should. I, I agree. Uh, I think when you've got two great wide receivers like that, you got to incorporate them both relatively even. Uh, the Dolphins sometimes do the same thing, and that's when we see them struggle in games as if if all the targets are going to Tyreek and, and you don't get to see Jalen Waddle do his thing or, or vice versa. It does hurt them a little bit, though it's been kind of working this season. There's certainly a balance that you need to find, and, and it's probably going to change year by year. As Devontae Smith continues to grow as a wide receiver, his role is probably going to just continue to get bigger, and maybe we've already seen that shift. Maybe the Eagles already know about that shift. But from what it looks like, especially based off last year, you got to at least give A.J. Brown some opportunities because he's one of the best physical catchers in the league. 100%, but you know, on the other side of the ball, they're going up against the Tampa Bay defense that can make you look silly. Yes. I mean, I, I know that the Bears are nowhere close to the Eagles' offense, but like – Buccaneers kind of had a field day on these guys and you know you you had DJ Moore who had a good game so maybe that can translate to AJ Brown or Devonta Smith getting a lot of touches but like just the Buccaneers are just the perfect balance of decent offense and elite defense yeah and they're looking really really good <laughs> yeah they, they've they've kind of punched above their weight class the last two weeks that's at least what it looks like like the offense looks way better than it really should be but the defense is where the strength of this team shows. Both weeks, that's been the case. Because they shut down a heavy passing offense in the Vikings and, and really shut them down. Only keeping the Vikings to 17 points is wild. And yeah. they shut down a speedy, kind of run-oriented, not a lot of passing offense in Chicago, which isn't the best offense. I, I think we're all aware of that. But still a hard one to defend. Now... They kind of face both ends of the spectrum. This team can pass. Jalen Hurts is a great passer. They have great receivers. They can run. Last week, DeAndre Swift put on a clinic. How are they going to fare against them? I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, the Eagles, they have put up 25 against the Patriots and 34 against the Vikings, but I honestly think with how this is shaping up, this one is probably going to be their toughest match of the year so far. And I, I'm going to take Tampa. I'm going to, man, I'm going to go 28, 21 Tampa. And it's all if okay. Baker plays well. All right. I'm going to go. I'm going to go 20, 24, 17 Philly. I, I, I think this is where the Buccaneers offense kind of falters. This is definitely the best pass rush they've faced. I'm just, I, I'm riding high off of, uh, Mike Evans, six receptions, uh, 171 and a touchdown. <laughs> That's fair. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, but Rashad talk- White has proven to be a running back one as well. We didn't even talk about him. He's oh, yeah. looking super, super solid. Yeah, he looks great. Um, so let's talk about the second matchup on Monday night. rams Bengals. How are the Bengals two-and-a-half-point favorites? I don't know. <laughs> They're <laughs> yeah. at home, but that, that didn't change things last week against the Ravens. Um, 
yeah, I don't, I don't get how the Ra- or how the Bengals are a two and a half point favorite here. What I care about is that the Rams, without Cooper Cup, have more than filled the void with Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell. And who, like, literally, who would have thought? Did you think? Because <laughs> no I didn't think. <laughs> and I didn't think Stafford would look this good either. He's looked great, especially against, like, and he's going to look great this week, I think, because uh, this is a weak secondary. Been, that's exactly what I was going to bring up. Matthew Stafford, with, with his experience and how well he's been playing, and like you said, Puka Nakua Tutu Atwell, oh, my God, the, the Bengals are going to give up 30 this game. I, I really do think they I could see them going 0-3. Yeah, I think I really, really could because the Rams defense, they have some guys on that defense, too, with, you know, Burrow struggling, Joe Mixon not really being able to get it going. They're really going to have to figure out some things in this game. Yeah. What's interesting to me is how Vegas set these lines, because you have an over under of 43 and a half. That is pretty damn low. That's looking at like a, a 20, what, like 24, 19, 24, 18 type game which, first of all, isn't common, so maybe more like a 24-17 outcome, but a two-and-a-half-point spread in the Bengals' favor. So they think that the Rams are going to get limited. The Rams scored 23 on the 49ers last week. There's nothing (laughs) telling me they can't score significantly more against the Bengals. And to kind of even further that point is Matthew Stafford still threw two picks and they still put up 23 against that 49ers defense. Yeah. So, and the, the Bengals are in for a tough one. And I, I don't think really a lot of people are talking about that. Like the possibility of the Bengals being 0-3 after this week is super high in my opinion. I agree. And, we, we have nothing to go off of. The Rams have been impressive. The Bengals haven't. It's as simple as that. Yeah. The, the way I'm looking at it, I'm thinking – I'm thinking 31-14 Rams. Oh, yeah. damn. Oh, I, 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 I like hate it, to do it. I hate it because I like <laughs> this Bengals team. I like Joe Burrow. I like Jamar Chase. Their defense sucks. The offense hasn't been able to put anything together. What tells me that they can do at or do anything against a team that was really pushing the 49ers all game last week? And, you know, another thing could just be because it was a rivalry game. Th- those can always be a little bit funky um, as far as, like, you know, what should happen and what actually happens. I'm going to nice the Bengals. I'm going to nice my rivals a little bit more than you did. I'm going to go 31-21 Rams. Okay. Well, that's it. That's that's the oh. matchups we're going to go in depth on. Uh, other, God, matchups, though, other matchups so this weekend – because we actually have plenty of time to talk about them. Uh, we've got Saints-Packers, which I think is going to be a stinker. This matchup just smells like shit to me. And Jones not coming back yet? I don't think so. It's a bummer. There's just something off with this matchup, like a 42-and-a-half-point line with the, the Packers being a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Like This just looks like low-scoring, close game. Yeah, I, I definitely can see that. Um, one week until Alvin Kamara's back, though. Or no, two weeks. Yeah. I am very much yeah. paying attention for that. Um, oh, Aaron Jones is back at practice today. Yes. Okay. Okay, well, that's a good sign for the Packers then. Um but other matchups, uh, Titans Browns sounds like a shit show. That sounds that's significantly worse than Saints Packers. Yeah, I agree. Like watching that Browns team against the Steelers and watching the Titans against the Saints, 
I don't want to see that again. <laughs> ever. Don't even put it on TV. No. Um, and then we've got Broncos Dolphins, which I think is going to be a Dolphins fuck fest. Yeah, big time. Um, Tyree Kill kind of had a little bit of an off week, which an off week for Tyree Kill is, you know, him still scoring a touchdown. Yeah. Um, he's going to come back this week. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and then Chargers Vikings, like we talked about. Patriots Jets. I th- I don't know how to feel about this game. I, I doubt there will be a lot of points. I, I think I can say that confidently. But the Patriots are 0-2. Probably shouldn't be. They've played some They've played two very good close games against good opponents. And then the Jets, 1-1, when they probably shouldn't be. They should probably be 0-2. Yeah. But the biggest Um, thing to me with that one is that the Patriots have beat the Jets, I believe, 14 times in a row. Damn. Yeah. I could definitely see it happening again. I'm kind of leaning towards the Patriots getting their first win. Just because, like... I, I I like how the Patriots secondary looked against Miami on Sunday night football, which obviously we know about Miami's receivers. Christian Gonzalez, you know, I already talked about it on the on the last episode. He looked really good against Tyreek Hill. So if I'm the New York Jets, how about maybe using Michael Carter, Dalvin Cook, Brees Hall, just a little bit more to help out Zach Wilson. I think that's the yeah. only way the Jets win. If the Jets play like they have against the Cowboys and um, uh, did they play the Bills? The Bills, yeah. right, yeah they're going to be one and two and the Patriots are going to have their first win. I definitely agree with you. Uh, and then we also have bills commanders, which I think is a better matchup than some may think the, the bills kind of baby, <laughs> the bills kind of got things back on track last week while the commanders just continued to look pretty good. That front four of Deron Payne and, um, Chase Young, Chase Young uh, Montez, Sweat. Montez Sweat, and then I can't remember the other one. Um, nonetheless, it's a great pass rush they've got. They have good players in that secondary, and the offense just looks good enough. And I like what you talked about with the commander's defense because we've seen before Josh Allen is elite, but I feel like he's very, ready for this word, rattleable. Sure. Rattleable. Yeah. I I feel like he's, he's the type of quarterback prone. that can rattle prone. There yeah. you go. And this Washington defense, look, they have the defensive line to not give Josh Allen a run game on top of, you know, being able to pressure him. And these young commanders defensive backs, man, they, they look really, really good. Um, yeah. So I could definitely see a commander's win here, actually. I really could. I, I could as well. Buffalo is a six-point favorite going to FedEx Field. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Nice in them there. I think the Commanders will at least play it super close. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at more like a, a field goal separates these two teams. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then we've got Texans-Jags, which is just another great matchup. I, I think the Jags have a lot to prove following last week's tough game against the Chiefs. Texans, for so okay, i got to bring this up. ESPN, some writer at ESPN put out his rankings of the teams that were 0-2. And he said that the Texans are a worse 0-2 team than the Cardinals and the Bears. That is factually incorrect. Literally. (laughs) What has he been watching? Or what has he not been watching that has told him that? Because the Bears are abysmal. It, it's crazy to me, but I actually think 
this is a good matchup. The Jaguars' defense does not look good. C.J. Stroud does. That tells the story to me. But Texans, they have a decent pass rush. The secondary hasn't been great. Um, and they're letting teams kind of run on them quite a bit. So expect a lot of Travis Etienne if he's feeling good in this one. And um, I, I still think Jacksonville takes it, unfortunately. But I'm rooting for the Texans on this one. I'm rooting for the Texans, too, and I think it's going to come down to whether they can figure out Damon Pierce or not. Yeah. If they can't figure out that run game and C.J. Stroud is continued to be put in these situations where he's throwing 50 to, like, 45 passes a game, I mean, he's a rookie. He's eventually going to throw a pick, which, surprisingly, he hasn't yet after throwing, like, 91 passes in two weeks. So I think that's going to be the difference maker for the Texans. If they don't have that run game, they're not going to get over Jacksonville. Yeah, agreed. Um, other game, Colt Raven, uh, Colts Ravens. I, I think the Ravens take that one handedly. Anthony Richardson's still questionable. Um, he's kind of your game changer if he could get in the game. And um, that, that Ravens defense is just the real deal. And especially like you know their receivers now, like they have Odell, who's you know kind of been serviceable for them uh, through two weeks. Mark Andrews played last week, so he's back. And Zay Flowers looks like the best target that Lamar Jackson has. Yeah. Uh, through two weeks. So, um, yeah, the Ravens are easily going to take that one. And then Panthers-Seahawks. Uh, I, I I don't see a world where the Seahawks struggle in this one. That's going to be a 30-pointer. Yeah, sure. I, I definitely agree. Seahawks favored I want to see more. Uh, I want to see more Jonathan Mingo, though. I feel like we haven't really seen a lot well, of uh, Jonathan Mingo. It's because... Bryce Young Carolina. just keeps getting sacked. It's always on the run, man. <laughs> yeah, it is. That <laughs> offensive line is hard to watch. Uh, and speaking of hard to watch, Bears-Chiefs, the next game. Um, the Bears are easily the hardest to watch. Uh, the Chiefs, a 13-point favorite in this game. You sure Bears... it's not 31? <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was. The Bears stand... No chance. Maybe they cover 13 points if the Chiefs still continue to struggle on the offensive side. I don't know. It's the Bears. Like, the Bears are getting... They're they're watching Caleb Williams' tape right now. That's that's what I'm gaining from the media attention. I, I don't have really anything to add about that game. You're exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Cowboys-Cardinals, which the Cowboys, once again, they're going to wipe the floor, but... We did get the news right before we started recording that Trayvon Diggs tore his ACL at practice today. So that's absolutely awful, first of all. Um, never want to hear that. But does that really even affect what they have going on over there? Honestly? No, because they still have Stephon Gilmore. Exactly. That That's kind of where I'm thinking. Like, yeah, like definitely two corners is better than one, but I don't see how that is necessarily like a game changer. It's obvi- it obviously hurts because yeah. you just lost an all pro corner. But they still have so many other assets on that defense that I'm sure they'll be fine. There's going to be moments where they're going to be like, "Damn, I wish we had Trayvon Diggs to defend that pass." But nonetheless, the Cardinals is going to be a cakewalk. Oh yeah. Sure. And then Sunday night football. Steelers Raiders, um, that is a horrible Sunday night matchup. I'm I'm sorry. Hey, hey, I'm sorry. Hey, there's sucks. a lot of history. I know these there's two teams. history. <laughs> I know there's history, but 
you're, you're telling me we couldn't get, like, Bill's Commanders on Sunday night? I just can't wait to fucking wipe the floor with Garoppolo's pretty face because Please we don't. already know that that Steelers pass rush is going to be ridiculous. But everybody who has Josh Jacobs in fantasy, just go ahead and start him. Um, the Steelers don't have a run defense. We haven't had one for like three or four years. So Josh Jacobs, who's been kind of quiet this year, he's going to light up the Steelers, I think. Okay. What are you, um, you thinking the, the boys are going to take this one? They're in Oakland, and Oakland is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm taking my boys, obviously. Um, I did actually – here, let me go on my phone real fast because I did save something on Instagram that I wanted to kind of rant about whenever we got to the Steelers. Let's hear it. Um, obviously, elephant in the room with the Pittsburgh Steelers is uh, Matt Canada and how he was um, food. Basically, like, I mean, the, the Fire Canada chants were all over Pittsburgh versus the Browns on Monday Night Football. Here's Matt Canada's offense through two weeks, Grayson. 4.9 average plays per drive. That's 32nd in the NFL. There are 32 teams in the NFL, by the way. I am aware. 21.4 average yards per drive. 21.4 average yards per drive. Hey, that's two first downs. Also, that's, that's also dead last, so... Thank God we drafted the Guy Harvey Award, uh, you know, champion Presley Harvin out of Georgia Tech because man, is he getting his money's worth? Um, one minute, fifty nine seconds is our average drive length. It's dead last in the NFL as well. Yep, eight point seven of percent of drives ending in touchdowns. Only eight point seven. That's also dead last. Seventeen point nine of drives ending in points. Once again, dead last. Oh, man. You guys are lucky you've won a game. I can't, we beat the Browns without Cameron Hayward and Deontay Johnson. I don't know how. I don't get it. I mean, like, we – I love our pass rush. I, I would honestly say the Steelers' pass rush is, like, top three, top five. That's really it. I mean, we, we cannot rely on George Pickens' big play. And – Two defensive touchdowns to get us over every NFL team. We're, you're not going to win games like that all the yeah. time. The Steelers, you know, they might struggle against the Raiders, but, you know, I, I'm pretty confident. Um, I, I'm taking the Steelers in this one, but I, I don't expect much from the offense still. Yeah, I see this as like a 17-14 Steelers. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll match that, honestly. Because it's, it's really just a matter of the Steelers' defense is way too good for this Oakland offense and the Steelers offense is so fucking bad that the Raiders defense will look okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but that does it. That's the slate. So some pretty good ones. Oh yeah. We've got some good matchups. It's going to be a fun one for you. Uh, Sunday night or uh, Sunday ticket owners like myself. No, to back primetime games for my boys too. So yeah, That's nice to see. Um, Nonetheless, let's do it. Let's talk MLB recap. We are winding down. The clock is certainly close to, uh, I don't know what the fuck I was going at with that. Um, The clock is close (laughs) to winding. The clock is ticking. Yes, that's what I was looking for. The (laughs) clock is ticking for the playoffs. They're just around the corner. As soon as October 2nd strikes, you'll know exactly who your team is or is not facing in the playoffs. Sorry, I had to include you in that, Luke. Uh, (laughs) But 
<laughs> because oh, it's man. still the regular season, there's still winners and losers every day. And my first winner is a Braves fan back on uh, uh, yesterday, Wednesday. Nick Cassianos hit a dick shot to center field. Um, and this Braves fan, who was holding his daughter with his left, one hand caught the ball with the other hand to save his other daughter, who was very much going to get hit by this baseball. Oh, wow. Then puts down the daughter he was holding and throws the ball back because fuck the Phillies. <laughs> oh, man, I need to find that video. It that is, is amazing. Fantastic. Um, yeah, you wow. definitely need to watch that one. Uh, but my next loser um, is Brewers pitcher J.C. Mejia who just received a 162-game suspension without pay due to testing positive for PEDs. This follows the 80-game ban he was handed last season for the same thing. Wow. So uh, this is lame. Let the guy cook. (laughs) (laughs) He had like a 5.5 ERA this season. They weren't working. (laughs) Um, Which sucks. It does suck. But if you... Look, I, I've I've argued a lot for PEDs back in baseball. You know they're not allowed. Don't do them. Uh, and it's obvious he's doing this on purpose. You don't get banned twice in the span of two seasons. It's brutal. Yeah. Uh, but my next winner, a guy that really we haven't talked a lot about in September, but one Corbin Carroll. The young man hit his 25th home run of the season to become the first rookie with a 25 home run, 50 stolen base season. Incredible. Um, I actually had that in my notes as well. Um, And, you know, he's a big reason for this kind of like, I I don't know if it's fair to say like out of nowhere success for this Diamondbacks team. but I'd say it kind of is. He's a big reason for it. Yeah. Uh, I love Corbin Carroll. He is so good for the sport. Definitely. It makes me happy that him and Gunnar Henderson were my picks for uh, Rookie of the Year because that <laughs> looks like very likely. Yeah. Uh, but my next loser, there's actually two losers, Hunter Green and Michael King, who struck out 14 and 13 batters respectively, but were both on the losing side of their respective games. This is the second time in the modern era that Two MLB pitchers struck out 13-plus, and their team lost on the same day. That's the first time since May 6th, 1960, when Jim Bunning and Sandy Koufax did the same. Shout out Michael King, though. I mean, we we talked about it before, but, like, the the reliever-turned-striker has really been good for him. Um, Starter. We have no offense. Yeah, starter. Sorry, not striker. striker. You're in you're nice. in soccer brain right now. In soccer brain, <laughs> but nonetheless, though, um, it definitely sounds like the Yankee offense not helping out their pitcher. Yeah, and the same goes for Hunter Green, who has thrown so many double digit strikeout games this season, and I believe has like five wins. Damn. <laughs> yeah, he's been getting fucked uh, all season, <laughs> but. Let's talk about this winners. These two winners actually kind of worked out perfectly. Um, these next two, Bruce Dark Ratterall of the Los Angeles Dodgers and Luisa Rise of the Miami Marlins. Uh, somebody posted something from it was a picture from five years ago uh, when Bruce Dar and Luisa Rise were working part time construction jobs together while playing in single A. 
Uh, and now five years later, Luis Arias leads the league in batting average, and Bruce Dark Gratterall has the fourth-best ERA amongst relief pitchers with a 1.32. Oh, you'd love to see it. I, I always forget that the minor leaguers don't make a lot of money, no, so a lot of them end up having don't. to do the construction jobs. Yeah. Uh, luckily, well, not, not necessarily construction, but like part-time. Yeah, no, a lot of them work part-time jobs. A lot of them, even up into like AAA, a lot of them have businesses uh, that they start. I know uh, Mark Melanson, I believe, owns a lawn care business. Uh, wow. But like, yeah, it's a pretty normal thing for especially the young guys. Um, and a lot of times the guys from out of the country, they don't get paid a lot especially when they're still on those low minor league deals, they definitely don't get paid a lot. And a lot of that money goes back to their families. So guys like Bruce Dargratterall and Luis Arias who are in those circumstances um, certainly have to do a little extra to provide for themselves and their families. Um, Actually, speaking of Bruce Dargratterall's family, uh, his mom, after I believe seven years apart, his mom made it to a Dodgers game um, from Venezuela and watched him play for the Dodgers for the first time. Beautiful. Yeah. So Bruce Dar having a great week. Um, let's see. Next loser, though, is uh, having a no-hitter in September. We've talked about this topic quite a bit, but there's now been four no-hit bids going to the ninth inning or later, and none of them were completed. This marks the first time in at least the last 50 seasons that four no-hit bids that went into the ninth inning or later were broken up in a single calendar month. And we still have 10 days to go. Yips, man. It's wild. I I believe the most (laughs) recent was Blake Snell uh, just the other night. Uh, My next winner, though, Seiya Suzuki who we, I don't think I've said his name since the first half of 2022. But (laughs) since August 1st, he's been off the charts. 347 batting average, 399 on base, 701 slugging. He's got 11 homers, 13 doubles, 3 triples, and 31 RBIs. Damn. Yeah. Shout out Seiya Suzuki, who everybody thought was going to be the uh, NL Rookie of the Year last year and was edged out by both Braves rookies. Uh, <laughs> I didn't get that in there. <laughs> yeah, of course. Oh, trust me. There's plenty more Braves to talk about. Uh, but my last uh, loser is uh, unidentified flying objects. There was a UFO sighting, if you will, at the Dodgers-Tigers game the other night. Uh, briefly delayed the game, uh, but this unidentified flying object was more of a floating object. It was a giant bubble that a fan blew. Uh, which halted the game for a moment until its eventual <laughs> popping. What? <laughs> yeah, it was just a, a giant bubble, like, floating through the air. Wow. <laughs> and it stopped Listen, the game. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it was very funny. That's awesome. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, that does it for winners and losers. What do you have this week? Um... Man, the Cubs are not looking too good, man. It, it, it's no, looking not. like they could probably be bumped out, um, which I which I hate. You know, I feel like it's safe to say that if you're not a you know fan of a rival team of the Cubs, they're they're a cool team to see in the postseason. You know, it's it's cool to have Wrigley Field in the postseason, but they're looking like the Reds might deserve it more. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so yeah, I think they're like one and nine in their last ten or something like that. But something close, ridiculous. Um. 
Shout out the young guys of 2023. And I have a long list of players that I'm going to read to you. But I just feel like, you know, and, and we talked about it earlier in the baseball season, but this season in particular, um, just youth explosion, you know, of, of freak of nature athletes like Ellie De La Cruz, who some for some reason plays shortstop, you know, and can steal bases and all this kind of shit. So I'm just going to read some names for you, Grayson. Um, shout out Bobby Miller, Oz Bradley, Curtis Mead. Jordan Westberg, Grayson Rodriguez, Ellie De La Cruz, Matt McClain, Christian Encarnacion Strand, uh, Jordan Lawler, Davis Schneider, Gary Perez, Pete Crow Armstrong, Adley Rutschman, Corbin Carroll. You guys have been so much fun to watch, and uh, I cannot wait to see what the future holds for all those guys. Did you say Spencer Steer? That's been my favorite to watch. No, I did not have Spencer, Spencer Steer. Yeah, shout out Spencer Steer. For the Reds. Um, let's see what else I got. Um, oh, this was kind of cool. Uh, I have some MLB history for us, so let's, uh, let's take some notes, kids. Um, on September 15th, 1963, the Giants fielded an all-brothers outfield. Really? Uh, it was Felipe, Mateo, and Jesus Alou. And it was only for two innings because of like defensive substitutions and moving players around, but I thought that was badass. That's sick. Um, Nick Castellanos had a ridiculous play against the Braves um, coming in from right field uh, everybody's you know yelling at him to drop the ball he catches it and then throws the runner out at home plate to win the game and that was just uh, unfortunate for you guys but that was just sick that was yeah. sick and the game I think it was the game winning run that the Braves had on third as well um then another thing from that game, sorry, I'm kind of going after the Braves here because I don't feel like we do that enough. Uh, Kyle Schwarber hit the, like, the longest home run like ever in yeah. Truist Park. I think it was like an exit 483, like 113 exit yeah. below. Just an absolute moonshot. Um, and then my last one, uh, Aaron Boone was ejected for the seventh time. He once again ties uh, the, uh, the managers as far as getting ejected in the league. Um, <laughs> so the ump was giving Gosman the bottom left corner a lot. And uh, you could see that Gosman was definitely attacking that area as obviously good pitchers do um, noticing kind of like where the ump strike zone is at. And I, I, I'll even admit as a Yankees fan, they were pretty good pitches, but the pitch that Boone was ejected on was definitely outside of the strike zone. And uh, yeah, he just lost his mind. <laughs> selfish. He's yep. now, he's now at selfish, I think. Selfish level. <laughs> yeah, seven in a season <laughs> is selfish. Um, <laughs> Pretty ridiculous. All right. Well, since you had to talk about the Phillies, I'm going to talk about the Braves uh, in good light. Uh, the Braves now have 43 home runs in the first inning. That's the second most in a single season in MLB history. Only the 2019 Cincinnati Reds had more first inning home runs in a single season with 46. Um, so that could still change. Um Ronald Acuna and Ty Cobb are the only players in MLB history to have a 75-plus extra base hit, 60-plus stolen bases in the same season. Both, fun fact about this, both Acuna and Ty Cobb were born on December 8th, or sorry, December 18th, just 111 years apart. Oh, wow. Yeah, 1886 and 1997. Um. 
Ronald Acuna Jr. recorded his 12th game with a home run and a stolen base this season. That's tied with the father of the home run leader, Bobby Bonds, in 1973 for the second most in a season since 1900. Only Ricky Henderson had uh, had more such games with seven or sorry 13. In 1986, so Acuna only needs one more home run and a stolen base in the same game to tie Ricky Henderson's 13 in a season. Which, if he wants to get 30 or 40, 70, he needs one home run and I believe three stolen bases. Ah, uh, man, that's it's, it's doable. It's I tough. think I, 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 okay. If he just hits one home run, I'm fine. 40, 60 is fine by me. Yeah. Um, one more Ronald Acuna okay. thing though. Uh, he's now the fourth player in history and second this season to have 100 RBIs as a leadoff hitter, joining Mookie Betts this year, uh, Charlie Blackman in 2017, and Darren Erstad in 2000. Wow. Charlie Blackman on that list, too. That's crazy. Yeah, he used to be nasty, hence his former nickname, Chuck Nasty. <laughs> um, all right, one more Braves thing. Most strikeouts in your first 50 MLB starts – that is now held by Mr. Spencer Strider, Quadzilla himself, 435 in his first 50 MLB starts that dwarfs Dwight Gooden's 418 and you Darvish's 407. Back-to-back 200 strikeout seasons, man. That's ridiculous. Yeah, crazy. Uh, other stuff, Shohei Otani had successful surgery. Uh, his agent says that he'll be ready to hit come opening day in 2024 and ready to pitch for 2025. And that's crazy. That I, I remember reading that, and I was like, he, we won't see him pitch for all next season. Yeah. It's crazy. Which probably is going to mean he's just going to win MVP just only as a batter. Because <laughs> think about it. He's been pitching every five or six days and still batting over 300 this season. What does that mean when he's not doing it? Lisa step aside. Yeah. There's a new hitter in town. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be scary. Well, we don't know what town yet, but um, that's you know, true. he'll be in a town uh, nonetheless. But um, just to kind of segue us into – well, actually, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this part with the playoff picture. Let's talk a little bit of weekend preview. Of course, I left it off the prep sheet again because I keep forgetting it. But we still got to talk about it because, once again, every game is important. From from here on out, every single game is very important. So, uh, Braves-Nationals, that is useless. But uh, the Cubs face the Rockies, so the Cubs certainly have uh, some prime real estate this weekend to uh, start climbing back up. The Brewers and Marlins face off, which is pretty big for the Marlins. They have to have a great series here because the Dodgers are pretty far and away ahead of the Brewers. Um, so the Brewers have kind of locked up third. And the Marlins just really, really need some wins here to uh, hold themselves up. The Reds play the Pirates, which is huge for the Reds. Um, they just really need to play well. Once again, uh, Blue Jays' Rays is, is big. It's a Seattle. Yeah, that's also Huge. a big one. That that could swing some things because it, it's really it's them too fighting for that third spot at the moment. Um just a a whole lot of big big games and honestly, 
the Astros have to play well against the Royals because if one of those teams dominates and Rangers Mariners, then the Astros might fall out of first place. And, yeah. you know, you don't want to play in a wild card game if you don't have to. <laughs> Definitely. Right? So, um, and, and then, then uh, the, Dodgers yeah, Giants. Dodgers Giants is a big yeah. one uh, as well. Uh, pitching matchups around the league. We've got Bryce Miller versus Dane Dunning for that first game of Mariners Rangers. Uh, Dean Creamer versus, versus Shane Bieber in Orioles Guardians. Did you mention uh, Diamondbacks Yankees? Oh, it's kind I, of another good yeah, series. Didn't there. even see that one. That's a that's a pretty big one as well. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Any other good matchups? Brandon Woodruff versus uh, Jesus Lazardo and Brewers Marlins. That's on Saturday. Not a lot of great matchups. This is a good young yeah. young pitching matchup. Ryan Nelson versus Clark Schmidt in uh, Dodgers-Yankees. Maybe depending on who uh, goes against Corbin Burns uh, tomorrow yeah. uh, against the Marlins could be good. Yeah, same goes for whoever goes against Kershaw in uh, Dodgers-Giants on Saturday. Yep. But, uh, yeah, that that's kind of the weekend. We'll talk a little bit about you know, playoff implications when we talk about the playoff picture right now. So my big thing is that not a lot has changed, of course, over the last couple of days, which makes sense. Since we last talked, they could have only played two games. Uh, nonetheless, the D-backs and Blue Jays have won five straight in their attempts to cement their spot. Um, but seems like a couple of teams aren't trying their hardest, um, to say the least. <laughs> Um, like the Yankees. Yes, definitely. But the Blue Jays now find themselves with the second best record, or sorry, third best record in the entire American League, and they are third in the AL East. <laughs> Bloodbath in that division, man. Yeah, it, it's just ridiculous. Uh, but the Blue Jays only have a one-game lead over the Rangers and Mariners, who duke it out this weekend. Uh, so that's going to be... Huge. The Astros um, just a half game ahead of the Rangers and Mariners still. That's actually the first time that three teams in the same division were all within a half a game or fewer of first place with all having 10 games or less to play since divisions began in 1969. Wow. So this is the closest division race ever. Oh my god, bro, Seattle and Texas are going into this series with the same fucking record, Grayson. It's huge. Whoever <laughs> wins this series possibly wins this division if the Astros don't get a sweep in Kansas City. Yeah, and I mean even in their last 10, Seattle's 5 and 5, Texas is only 6 and 4. They've both uh Seattle's won their last 3, Texas has won their last 2. Damn, yeah. that that might be the probably the biggest out of all the series for me. Yeah. Going into the weekend. Yeah, but thing is, Toronto also has to have a good weekend. They've been playing great. They've won five straight, propels themselves into second place in that American League wild card. Same goes for the Diamondbacks, who have also won five straight, while everybody else in contention has lost at least their last game. 
Unbelievable. So the Diamondbacks surge up to a game-and-a-half lead in second place. Still, honestly, in contention for that first spot over the Phillies. But I think the Braves want the Phillies to win some games so that they can avoid them for now. So they're going to they're gonna keep letting the Phillies win. I, I genuinely think that's what's happening, is they're letting <laughs> the Phillies win so that we don't have to play them. Yeah, I mean, you know, with how last season went, it could be a fair tactic. Yeah, because if we let the Phillies get the first seed, then we play the winner of Cubs-Brewers at the moment. Which I, I would rather see either of those teams than the Phillies if I'm a Braves fan. Definitely. Obviously. Um, and, I mean, like, you know, the Cubs are only just, like, point zero four. Um, as far as picture goes, in front of Miami and Cincinnati. Yeah. It's insane. And then you have San Francisco that's like a 500 team right now, and they're only three games back. So if they look good against the Dodgers, who know what could ha- who knows what could happen there? Yeah, it's, and I hate to say it, but you know, with the Giants trending down, one team has made a late push, the Padres. They've won seven yeah. straight and now put themselves only four and a half games out of the playoff. Though there's only nine games to play, a lot needs to go their way. Still a valiant effort to end the season. Yeah, shout out San Diego, unfortunately. Yes. Yeah, unfortunately. Because they're also they're not making the playoffs. No, <laughs> That's no. the thing. What what sucks for them is they're literally like you could make a case, maybe maybe Milwaukee and LA, but the uh, Padres have been the best team in the NL. I mean, yeah. like for the, like the past like couple weeks, easily. Oh yeah, shout so, out them. Yeah, the Padres look great. Um, but yeah, just just looking at it, still teams in contention. Um, the Mets and Pirates will be eliminated within the next couple of days. The uh, the Red Sox have already been eliminated, though in the wild card they're ahead of the Guardians and Tigers, who technically still have a chance in their division, though it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, the Guardians and Tigers will probably be eliminated today or tomorrow. Um, and then the Yankees soon after. And then it'll it'll really just be the uh the Rangers and Mariners and Blue Jays duking it out since the Rays have already clinched, and then Phillies, Diamondbacks, Cubs, Marlins, Reds, Giants, and possibly the Padres as well. It's heating up. Yeah, it is it is already hot. And there's only a week and a half to go. So um, make sure you're staying tuned. We're going to give you all the updates. And then um, as soon as the season's over, uh, I'm thinking we do our awards. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So hopefully we can get a little bit of time between, like, final game of the season, which I believe is October 1st, which is a Sunday night. Actually, I think those the the playoffs would start on Wednesday. So maybe we do our awards as well as our wild card preview. Uh, but that would awesome. be with uh, me and Colin for that one. I think maybe me and you'll do awards later. Nonetheless, that's just some housekeeping. Uh, oh man, because we got soccer wait. to talk about. We do. Um, but I I cannot wait to talk about postseason baseball with you for the first time in second and short. That is true. That is true. In the postseason. Um. I also I can't wait because the World Series was happening right when we started this podcast, me and Brock. Um, so yeah, the playoffs mean a lot to me because I was definitely paying a lot of attention because I I think 
I kind of started developing like the second and short stuff. I'm sure I could go back and see like what days I created the accounts or, or texted Brock the idea of the name sometime yeah. in October. So, so that's the real anniversary of the idea. Um, yeah. But the, the true one year anniversary will be that first week in November. Can't wait, man. Yeah, I, I can as well. I, I, I have ideas. Don't know how feasible they are uh, <laughs> for the 100th episode. Uh, but uh, you know we're going to do something for you guys because we, we got to show our appreciation. It's been uh, resounding, the uh, support we've gotten. But um, we'll talk a little bit more about that on the end of the episode. Maybe we'll have a little discussion about my ideas live on air. Nonetheless, Perfect. it's soccer time, particularly in England, where we'll just go ahead and start it off. Arsenal versus Spurs. Ooh. North London Derby. North London Derby. And both of these teams have been playing pretty good. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you and I were talking about it, and I'm uh, I'm not going off of Arsenal's last Premier League game. I'm actually going off of their most recent PSV Champions League game, mm. which was a 4-0 win. Arsenal yeah. looked really, really solid. And, you know, looking at their lineup, they pretty much played like who would have been their best players. Gabriel Jesus is back in the starting lineup, and he is scoring for Arsenal. He was one of the people who scored, and um, I don't know. I just thought it was really cool because you and I know how much um, you know we we wanted him to be in that starting lineup yeah. when he was healthy, and we both predicted he was going to be effective. Oh, look at him now! Yeah, and he wasn't the only one. Their entire front three scored in that game with a contribution from Martin Odegaard in midfield. So they um they looked really good against a solid Dutch team. Yeah. For sure, but uh, it, it does kind of suck that Jesus slides back into the lineup, but Troussard has to move to the left to replace Gabriel Martinelli, who's having a hamstring issue. Um, I don't know if he's going to be playing this weekend, but Leandro Troussard played a fantastic game against PSV, So, um, and he only played 58 minutes and picked up a goal and an assist. Very impressive. Super, yeah. super impressive. Um, and then we also had an assist off the bench from, I believe, his replacement, in, uh, Reese Nelson. Yep, yep. And uh, another thing that I wanted to talk about from that PSV game is that I Havertz didn't look that bad. Um, only missed two passes. I think it was like he completed 25 out of 27, and he created a big chance in that game as well. So maybe, you know, it's not all finished. Maybe he just needed to settle a little bit into this Arsenal team, but they – you know, despite the injuries they've had, they've been able to keep up with pretty much anybody they play against. So Arsenal, once again, is having another good season. Yeah, I think I think what Havertz needed was a, a game off the bench. And, and that's what they gave him against Everton last week. Um, and, and I think that kind of put him in his place a little bit. I, I think he needs to know that his starts have to be earned at this point. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. I agree with that. And honestly, the guy that replaced him in the lineup last week at Everton, Vieira, great. Fabio Vieira is a great young Portuguese player. Um, But nonetheless, Havertz makes his way back in um, for PSV and certainly played a a pretty solid role. Um, The defense looks much improved. Ramsdale got sat for David Raya. Um, An interesting decision, but it it certainly paid off because Raya had a great game in goal. Yeah, um, definitely did. Uh, he's actually like, uh, uh, from my uh, the app 
not the app, the website that I use that calculates like player ratings and stuff. He's actually like top two, like in their average as far as player ratings go for Arsenal. Nice. So, yeah, uh, I, I wish I could talk about, you know, a midweek European matchup for Tottenham, but they don't have one. Um, <laughs> so I guess I'll have to talk about Sheffield United, where we saw the craziest comeback uh, to win, especially yeah. <laughs> Richarlison in the 90th plus eight scores the equalizer to make it one one. And then Kulisevsky in the 90th plus 10 scores another to win it two one. And. I'm just left wondering where the fuck that was all game. Yeah, um, and another interesting thing is uh, Youngman's son was uh, starting he striker. Sucks at striker. And he sucks. Um, you know, and they also had this guy Manor Solomon who uh, who uh, came on or started the game for Tottenham, and he looks more effective on the wing than Son does, as far yeah. as you know how last season was and how the beginning of this season has gone. Listen. If I'm Tottenham, I'm seeing Youngman's son as a way to make some money despite him wearing that captain's armband. I am over him, man. Yeah. I am over him. Yeah, I think James Madison's probably going to be the captain of this team in a year. And, you know, he deserves it. He's very mature. He loves the Tottenham fans, and he is a fantastic playmaker in that midfield. Yeah, the guy created four chances in this game, had three shots, two of them on target, I believe. He looked fantastic despite not scoring or assisting any goals. Um, yep. Like, the, yeah, the shot accuracy, two out of three on target, three out of five on successful dribbles, <clears throat> 17 passes into the attacking third. Like, that's a great game from your attacking midfield. 100%. But another thing from the Sheffield and Tottenham game, look at the amount of cards that were handed out. Yes. What was going on between these two teams, man? Yeah. Even Richarlison and Ivan Perisic, who didn't come into the 80th minute, they both picked some up. Unbelievable. But you know what? As much as I hate his arrogant ass, shout out Richarlison. Um, yes. I know it came out. I, I don't know if we talked about it on the pod, but I don't think we did. Um, he was actually going to seek mental help for his you know, goal drought because he just literally, yeah. I guess, had no idea how else to help himself because it's not like, you know, I'm sure his practicing and his training was changing at all. I'm sure he was doing the same thing he has always been doing when he was successful. Yeah. So, you know, shout out to him for, you know, coming out publicly about going to get mental help. And, hey, he came on and scored a very important goal in this game. Yeah, for sure. So looking at this matchup, I, I just think that Arsenal has the firepower. They're on good form. They they have a lot of confidence coming off of that 4-0 win over PSV. Um, whereas Tottenham, yes, they should have some confidence coming out of that, that win against Sheffield, but there's certainly things to address. You know, why are we not scoring before the end of stoppage time? You know, a, a stoppage time that last year probably wouldn't have happened. It probably wouldn't have gone on that long. And that's something to look at. Yes, Tottenham are scoring goals. That's a, a big help for them, a, a difference for them, honestly. Arsenal does the same. Arsenal scores goals, and they keep clean sheets. That's the biggest thing for Arsenal. They have two clean sheets. That's the most in the Prem right now, which is not good, but <laughs> still the most. Um, yep. And they're also winning penalties, which I think is a big deal considering that Hugo Lloris is out. Yeah, 
No, for sure. I, I actually, um, you know, going back to their goalie, I don't know who he is until this season. I've never heard of him before. I think it's Vicario, correct? Uh, let, let me see. I just got off of that screen. Uh, are you able to beat me to that? Yeah. Uh, oh, I, yeah, I'm not even going to try that first name. It is Vicario, though. He's Italian. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> you see why I'm not trying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, hey, shout out him. You know, he stepped in and filled the void of a goalie who has been nothing but the best for Tottenham. So. Yeah, uh, but then again, like this game is is huge for points. Both of these teams tied, really for second with 13 goals. But Tottenham has the advantage on goal differential right now. Yep. This is a difference maker early in the season for both of these teams. I just think Arsenal is better prepared. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better. I just feel like, uh, like what you said, they're better prepared and they just kind of seem like they're having more comfortable wins. They would win a game more comfortably than Tottenham would. But, you know, with it being the North London Derby, I'm kind of leaning towards a very, very tough 2-2 draw. Okay, I think that that would be like the best case scenario for Tottenham. Yeah. That makes sense. I think we're going to see a 2-1 game from Arsenal, uh, probably with a, a pretty late winner. All right, well, our second match is also a pretty good matchup, you know, at least on paper. Uh, Chelsea (laughs) versus Aston Villa. Yeah, Look, I got to give some jabs when I can. Uh, That's fine. We've got Chelsea, (laughs) Aston Villa, and honestly, it's a good one too, man. Um, Chelsea, of course, their long, long, long list of inactives um, for this game uh, includes Melange Saar, who is suspended. Um. But Aston Villa, kind of the same guys missing outside of uh, Bertrand Traore and Diego Carlos, who are both uh, lightly banged up. I think you will probably still see them uh, available this weekend, which is good for Aston Villa because if they were missing Diego Carlos and Tyrone Mings, they would be in a tough spot. Oh, 100%. Um, You know, just going off of Chelsea's last game, it's another – Low scoring affair. Luckily, we were able to get the draw. Um, you know, defense looked really well in the nil-nil draw versus Bournemouth. Um, uh, Mikelo Mudrick got the start. Uh, Levi Cowell started at left back over Chilwell, which is, you know, I don't really understand that. I think that was a um, fitness thing. That, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Uh, and Levi Cowell didn't, didn't do bad. Levi Cowell is yeah. a pretty solid defender. Um, Leslie Ogu-Chukwu started his first game in the, for the Blues, uh, and he didn't really have that bad of a game as well. It's just, uh, you know, you watched the game, I didn't. Um, and just kind of looking at the stats here, it's just Nicholas Jackson, it just has to be more clinical. Um, he, you know, it's going to be the same as last season if this continues for Chelsea. Um, and I don't think a lot of Chelsea fans really understand, like, how in trouble we are, especially after yeah. a game like this. Yeah, so – Watching this game, it just seems like Nicholas Jackson, he's getting into space and doing nothing with it. And I think part of that blame should go on to Enzo Fernandez, whose playmaking in this game was super off. He should have been giving better passes to Nicholas. I think that if Enzo really wants to play right behind the striker, he needs to do it correctly. I know he likes long passes. He can't do that when he's in that attacking mid-role. I think that limits him a lot. That's not what he's used to. He's used to playing generally the center 
as central as it can yeah. get for Enzo Fernandez helps him out a ton. I, I think you could even like putting Uga Chukwu, uh Cam might even work better. I know Gallagher wants to run up and down the field. That's for sure. Enzo does a good yeah. job of it as well. Maybe even just turning this formation that you ran more just into a 4-3-3 rather than a 4-2-3-1 where you just let Sterling and Mudrick play the wing and you just play a straight line across the middle of Uga Chukwu, Fernandez, and Gallagher. Probably works a little bit better. And you can just, yeah. you know, whoever needs to make that supporting run in behind Nicholas Jackson can. That yes. makes a lot more sense. I think that helps Nicholas Jackson out a lot more because his passes are coming from deep. It allows him to show off that pace, show off the, the physicality, maybe win a ball, and then have open space in front of the keeper. That would yeah, be I, I, ideal. But in this one against Bournemouth, he just couldn't get into the spaces to finish. I couldn't agree more with what you said, especially with Enzo Fernandez. And, you know, looking at the starting lineup here, Enzo Fernandez is just simply not a cam. It's not like he can't dribble or play make. Um, you know, we, we've seen him be able to do that before. Yeah. But where Enzo Fernandez is at his best is when he can play that deep-lying midfielder, you know, kind of Pirlo role. Where he can get the ball without anybody having, you know, to pressure him. He can look up and pick out a pass and then make a run, you know, forward. I think that's where he's at his best. Um, but, you know, shout out Connor Gallagher, man. This character arc is so fun to follow because I don't know if you're looking at it uh, like I am, but he was the captain yeah. for this Chelsea team this game, which you just got to wonder, man. He must be doing the same thing in practice, busting ass, you know, um, taking leadership roles in the team. And I, I could not be more proud of his character arc and how far he's come with this Chelsea team because he is um, easily one of my favorite players on this lineup. Yeah, kind of weird for him to be the captain with Thiago Silva in the lineup, though. No, I Very definitely understand that. But <laughs> I, I think in this one, like, you guys beat Bournemouth, but you just couldn't finish. Like, the, Chelsea was the winner of this game. Bournemouth just came out with the same amount of points. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, on the Aston Villa side, you know, their last result was very interesting. They actually lost 3-2 to Legia Warsaw in the Europa yeah. League, the Polish team. Um, and, you know, looking at Aston Villa's team here, it's not, you know, their full starting lineup. As you mentioned, you know, they were a little bit banged up going into this game. But, you know, there's a lot of really good players still on this Aston Villa team because I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago. They have depth. They have a lot of depth. Um, yeah. but they just still could not come away with the win over a team that you would fully expect them to beat. I, I would, but this is just not – this isn't the same Aston Villa that – we even saw in their 3-1 win over Crystal Palace. Honestly, it's a big difference in what we saw. We saw against Crystal Palace, we had Emiliano Martinez in goal. You had Matty Cash at right back, Pau Torres in the starting lineup. Um, that was a big difference here because you had Chambers and Consa, um, as well as, uh, or sorry, Chambers and Langley instead. Um, and then in the midfield, uh, pretty different as well. In, in this one against Crystal Palace, they had Douglas Luiz and Kamara in center mid um, running a 4-4-2 with Zaniolo and McGinn on the wings and then Watkins and Diaby up front. You have no Watkins, no Diaby, and I think that plays a huge factor in the fact that they couldn't win this game. 
Yeah, but I, I mean, to be fair though, against the Polish side, not no offense yes, to you know course. my ancestors or anything, but <laughs> I, I would totally have expected a Premier League team with depth like Aston Villa to still be able to, I mean, you know, at least draw, definitely not lose. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, because I mean, Legia Warsaw can be a tough away day, which I think it was. Yes, it was. In, it was in Poland, so I mean, you know, it's a tough place to play, but they're still a Premier League team, and Legia Warsaw's not. Yeah, like this is a game that Aston Villa should certainly win. Um, I I just think that 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 first half just kind of hurt them. Like having that much action in the first half, it was two two going into the half. They come back out. Warsaw gets a, an early goal in the fifty first minute, and then they just seem deflated, and, and that defense just couldn't keep up with anything. I think that's where it it really hurt them and and not making a substitution in the defense was questionable um especially yeah. like a high scoring game like this your defenders probably want to come off the field and, and you don't make a single change well outside of chambers coming off in the 67th you don't make a change at center back which are the guys that need to have the fresh legs you still <clears throat> had you had Pau Torres available on the bench and you didn't bring him in yeah uh, no 100% um you know that also to your point could be like a fitness thing as well yeah. yep um but you know I, I think a healthy Aston Villa team can really give a run um especially with how Chelsea's been playing they can definitely give Chelsea a run for their money um so you know if we see a normal Aston Villa starting lineup I I think I'm gonna go maybe a 1-1 draw maybe a 2-1 Villa um I <laughs> We're we're getting to that point, Grayson, where I'm starting to lose confidence in this Chelsea team. Yeah. As as much as I love the players, and you know, <clears throat> Nkunku's hurt, and we're not you know completely healthy, I am starting to get to the point where it's kind of like, well, you know, we play well, but we can't score. So yeah, um, at one one Chelsea uh, and Villa. Okay, uh, I'm gonna go. I, I just I don't trust the. Uh... I don't trust the playmaking or scoring abilities. I'm going to go 1-0 Aston Villa. Sure. All right. And then our final game that we'll be going in-depth on this weekend, Liverpool versus West Ham. Uh, a big one, Ooh. honestly. You have the number three in the tables, Liverpool, against number six in the tables, West Ham. And I I'm going to be honest, I don't know who's winning this game. It sounds crazy, <laughs> but I don't. Yeah, West Ham, they look deadly, man. Um, and Liverpool, they're coming off of a game against, uh, Lask. Yeah. The Europa league. Um, and Liverpool definitely had a rotated team here, but we did get to see Ryan Gravenberch who finished with a 7.2. Um, other players like Ben, Ben Doak. I don't know. He wears number 50, but he started on the right for Liverpool. Uh, Darwin Nunes and, uh, Luis Diaz were the other two front three men, uh, with Doak. Um, I mean, yeah, Liverpool didn't line up bad here. Still had Virgil van Dijk and Konyate in the team. Uh, they had a rotated goalie. I'm not even going to try to say his name. Oh, it's Keller. Um, yeah, Keller. Is, it, is that Keller? <laughs> yeah, I've heard them it's say it before. Interesting spelling of yeah. Keller, but um, hey, go off. Um, I mean, you know, they comfortably won it 3-1. Yeah. So I, I don't really know how much we can take away from this game um, going into this uh, one against West Ham. Uh. I don't know. Yeah, the the last result isn't a big deal. Like you're starting, uh, it's Ben Doak, by the way. 
seventeen year old on the right in a European competition. Wow. It's pretty obvious that... what you were thinking going into this matchup is that we're gonna kick their ass. They did just that. <laughs> yeah. And it's like come on. Like it wasn't even nice. It wasn't a nice like they brought Mo Salah off the bench and he scored a goal. Um Yeah. <laughs> I, I wanna point out that uh Wataru Endo still sucks. Um, he is still not paying off. He couldn't even play well against Lask, um, who's not even at the moment the best team in Austria. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I, I just, yeah, this this lineup sucks. <laughs> this lineup they put out sucks. We're not going to see anything yeah. like that against West Ham. We'll probably see something much more similar to what they rolled out um, against Wolves last weekend, in, in which I they, don't know. Um, maybe their their front three. Yeah, looks... that that front three is going to look different. Yeah, like we're going to probably sure. see um, Nunez at striker instead of Gakpo. Gakpo probably won't make it into the starting lineup against West Ham. Actually, Just since he sat, crazy. he sat against Lask, um, and, and never came in. So maybe we do see him out on the left. But um, I think Nunez and Salah have to be in the lineup. Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. Definitely over over Gakpo and Jota, which Gakpo can even you know revert back to kind of that um, center mid in the four three three that they run. We've seen him do that before too. Yeah. Um, definitely over Curtis Jones, right? I I think so. No, but then start because you need either Gravenberch or Endo to play. No matter how bad Endo is, you still need someone that's kind of that holding midfield role, at least in my opinion. Neither of them played against Wolves, and they won three one. Well, it, I mean, it is Wolves. <laughs> I agree. I, I don't know how they're going to be able to do that against, you know, some of the bigger teams like uh, Arsenal or uh, Manchester City. But um, a very weird lineup for Liverpool, even against Wolves. You have Jarrell Kwanzaa, yeah. center back, with Joel Matip, no Van Dyke or Joe Go- Well, Joe Gomez is actually right back instead of uh, which um, I think Alexander-Arnold. Which I think they like a lot right now. Um, I think Trent... Maybe not like very soon, but I I think in the next couple of weeks, maybe more in their European matches, we'll probably see Trent playing holding midfield. Think so. He does it for England here and there. I I, I think Liverpool should explore that option, especially if they want to go a little more defensive minded in their lineup. You know, here and there, throw Gravenberch and Trent deep, put Sabasly or McAllister up there at an attacking mid spot and then have whatever front three you'd like to run. I don't see a problem with that, especially if you have Van Dyke and either Matip or Gomez or whoever behind him, Konate. That, that's a good point. And I, I kind of, it brings up the question that I want to ask you. Is Trent a better holding midfielder than Graven Birch and Indo? I don't think so. I, I think it's just a different idea, like a different option. Yeah. A much more defensive minded, but a pretty skilled attacker as well, having experience on the right. Yeah, he can pass cr- like crazy. Yeah. I think that's so. something to look out for. But for West Ham, they also had a midweek European match uh, against TSC Becca Topola. Um, <laughs> my I, favorite soccer team, actually. Yeah, my second, <laughs> my, my third favorite Serbian <laughs> soccer team behind yeah. Red Star and uh, Partizan. But... um. 
<laughs> Ooh, let's make sure you don't get beheaded for saying that you like Partisan and Red Star. Well, they're cool. I didn't say I like either of them. Yeah, that is cool. true. It's cool to watch them play each other. I take no sure. sides in Serbia. Trust. Trust me. Um, <coughs> yeah, if you ever see second and short at a Serbia game, we're, we're in button-ups. There's no way we're yeah. ripping one team. Yeah, we're wearing green. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but oh, look, man. like West Ham actually put out a good squad because I think they actually care about winning this competition, um, <laughs> which is sad. They actually want to win the Europa League. Uh, nonetheless, they got a they got a taste in the conference league. That's true. What, what it's like, <laughs> but I will say, make a change at striker instead of Danny Ings, and I love this front three: Ben Rama, Ings, Kudus. Love it. Make a change at striker, and I'm all in. Put in Mikel Antonio to start this weekend, and I and, and I'm I'm 100 down for it. Paqueta, Ward Prowse, and Fornals works out fine. Fornals didn't have a great one in this. You could probably switch him out as well. Start Susek, maybe. Yeah, start Edson Alvarez. Either way, I, I think you've got uh, some pretty good options here. Uh, the defense probably will switch around a little bit um, for this weekend, but I, I think that West Ham could put out a very good lineup and one that could certainly rival Liverpool. I mean, you know, we've we've seen Premier League games this season where Liverpool have kind of, you know, looked a little bit 50-50. So um, definitely it, it's one of those games where West Ham, to your point, can take advantage of the Liverpool, you know, kind of like not being on it every game, uh, every game day. Yeah. And just to let you all know, uh, Trent and Thiago Alcantara were both banged up. That's why they didn't play midweek. Um, but it, it's looks like they might play this weekend. I'm not 100%. Yeah, and, I mean, do we even talk about West Ham versus Man City? Is that even, like, a fair no. comparison? I, I, I don't think so either. Uh, Man City is just leaps and bounds ahead of everyone. Um, How about Jeremy Doku yes. scoring a goal? The, the young uh, Belgium winger. Yes. It was fantastic. Good uh, celebration as well. Of course. Um, of course, of course. But Julian Alvarez just continues to be – Fantastic in the attacking mid role. Oh, and Rodri. Rodri, like, I, yeah. I just feel like he doesn't ever play bad. <laughs> no, that ever. If they keep that three of Bernardo Silva and Rodri with Julian Alvarez playing attacking midfield, they're not losing. That midfield is fucking good. It's so consistent. They They just don't play bad, any of them. Yeah, and let's not forget that Kevin De Bruyne is still hurt. Yeah, he's still going to come back and take Julian Alvarez's spot. <laughs> oh man, you could Julian Alvarez is going to be the first player like that's a kind of a bench player to sell for like 130 million euros. Oh yeah. Jesus. yeah. There, there's no reason he shouldn't be somewhere else playing amazing football. Agreed. Um and of course Erling Holland's Erling Holland, of course he scored a goal uh against West Ham, but I'm not going to knock West Ham for losing 3-1 to Man City. Honestly, it's commendable that they scored a goal and held them under three. Or, sorry, hold, held them at three. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, <laughs> I'm going to, uh, for for West Ham, Liverpool, I'm I'm looking at like a, I'm going to go, I'm going to go 1-1. Wow. Okay. Um. 
but before I give my score prediction, I, I and I want to get your opinion on this. West Ham is one striker away from being like a top seven team. Agreed. Look, Mikel Antonio is not great, and Danny Ings is uh, certainly has nothing um, on him. Yeah. If I mean, they the had can... no, I, yeah. Go ahead. Guy you can count on, uh, I think, is both yeah. of them. They're not like special strikers, but they're no. guys that you can, you know, you can expect good games from. Yeah, but if you had a guy like, obviously, you can't compare anybody to Erling Holland, but if you had one of those pretty solid strikers that just, you know, day in and day out, he's going to get shots on target. That's what you're looking for, and that's what West Ham needs because they have so much playmaking ability across the field that. They should be able to score goals, and they're scoring a, scoring a fair amount of goals. Like They're scoring about two goals a game to start this season, which is great. I just I need a more clinical finisher up front for them. It's their, their one holdback. Um, you said 1-1 versus Liverpool. Um, I'm going to go 2-1 Liverpool. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of the way I see it. Like, I don't think West Ham wins. But they at least play it close, maybe pull off the yes. draw. Yes, of course. Uh, other fixtures this weekend, we've got Crystal Palace-Fulham, which is actually, looking at the tables, not a bad matchup. Uh, yep. Luton Town versus Wolves, which is a bad matchup. Uh, <laughs> Man City versus Nottingham Forest. Uh, how many goals do you think Man City scores? Five? Uh, four. I'll go four. a little bit okay. more realistic. <laughs> okay. And then uh, Brentford Everton, once again, just a shitter. Uh, Burnley Man United. If if Manchester United doesn't just wipe the floor with them, I would assume it's Andre Onana's fault. <laughs> Man, I I was so hyped about him coming to replace De Gea, but it, it's you know. A part of me, I, I guess, like the childhood part of me, Grayson, really is kind of glad that they're struggling with their keeper because yeah. they should have kept the Haya. I mean, it was simple. Definitely. Uh, and then on Sunday, uh, Brighton, Bournemouth. Once uh, Brighton's going to kill them. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Sheffield and United, Newcastle. Uh, and then we get into What's the tune's going to do. Uh, we got to win against Sheffield United. Like, come on. Coming off the win last week against a, a not so good team, now um, we really got to capitalize against a shitter. Especially coming For off sure. of a, a pretty confidence boosting draw against AC Milan in the Champions League, which we might as well go ahead and get into the Champions League recap. Um, you know, we'll only be doing these so often, so um, we'll have to cherish these as they come. So, Champions League That's... recap, a lot of. Fantastic games, honestly. Um, yeah. A couple of blowouts, but uh, definitely some good ones. So, so I'm trying to pull it up real quick. Uh, okay. So we'll start here. Where did they go? Never mind. What the fuck? Okay. What the hell? Permission. What happened? Here we go. AC Milan Newcastle. We'll start there. Um, a nil-nil draw. I'm totally happy with it. We should have lost that match. <laughs> Did you see the thing I sent you where like Rafael Leal like took on the entire yes, defense and tried the like game. a backfield goal? <laughs> yeah. 
kid is ridiculous. But um, hey, you know what? Shout out Newcastle. Um, their defense finally looked like last yes. season against a very good AC Milan offense. Yes, this is the defense that I've been talking about all year. I talked about <laughs> it before the season even started. This was the defense we saw last season, and that's why we finished top four in the Premier League. That's the reason we're in the Champions League this year is because of that defense. And I haven't seen it once until now against AC Milan. Yes. Love it. So that's got to be the difference maker. And then uh, in Group G, we had uh, Leipzig take a 3-1 victory over uh, Young Boys uh, from Switzerland. Couldn't – yeah, I could have expected that. That's pretty yeah. obvious. Um, sure. And let's see, who scored for Leipzig in that one? Uh the Champions League's website fucking sucks. Uh, Simicon, Schlager, and Sesco get the goals for yes. Leipzig. Um, <laughs> and then in Group E, Feyenoord takes a 2-0 victory over Celtic. I believe that was a rematch of like a really old Champions League match. Uh, final, at least. Yeah, I, I think Celtic and Feyenoord have actually won Champions League yeah, before. Yeah, and I think, they, I think they played each other in a final like in the 80s. Okay. I, I believe I heard that on the broadcast, but Feyenoord takes that one 2-0 after two Celtic red cards in that match. Uh, and then in Group E as well, Lazio and Atletico Madrid draw 1-1 after a crazy equalizer by Lazio's goalkeeper. Um, oh, yeah. At the very end of the match, he pushed all the <laughs> way up. Uh, I believe it was a set piece. Um, okay. And then, uh, or I thought they crossed it into the box from like a free behind. Kick. Yeah, I think it was a free kick. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, their Providel, their goalkeeper, made a beautiful run into the box and slotted that header away to uh to tie it up in in stoppage time. Ninetieth plus five. Um, yeah. after that one, we had PSG's two 0 victory over Dortmund. PSG just looked really, really good. They look like they're and- getting out of this group for sure. Yep. And Dortmund just kind of continue how to slide, uh, or they continue um, sliding. They don't look good in the yeah. Bundesliga, as we covered before, and they're, you know, losing in the Champions League as well. But before we move on, I actually really am curious to see how PSG lined up with their crazy fucking front three. I actually Kula really Milani like Mbappe. this. <laughs> I really like this lineup. Oh, so no Gonzalo Ramos. Yeah. Kolomowani up front with Mbappe on the left. And Usman, Usman uh, Dembele. Yeah. Who I'm still surprised he is playing for very good teams. <laughs> but he looked really good in this game. Yeah, he did. Um, nonetheless, <clears throat> like Dortmund should have been better. Yeah. For sure. I mean, they, they definitely should be better. Um don't have bad players. And actually, no. I'm looking at it now. Did did we cover that they got Marcel Sabitzer? Uh, yeah, we talked about it. I don't even remember that. But, I mean, you know, Marcel Sabitzer is great. Malin and uh, Adeyemi are, a, you know, yeah. very underrated striker pair. And you still have Mats Hummels and Gregor Kobel um, back there kind of in defense. So, they just, you know, having a tough start. Yeah. Catch a break. Yeah, for sure. Um, I got to shout out Vitinho and Hakimi. That playmaking on Hakimi's goal was unbelievable. Um, yes. So uh, shout out to those two and Mbappe slotting home a penalty. Um, next match, Man City 3 1 over uh, Red Star Belgrade. 
Not surprised. Red Star scored first. Yeah, I know. Red Star had it 1-0. That's amazing. scored two minutes later. um, And then he completed the brace in the 60th. And then a goal from last year's UCL Player of the Year, Rodri. Hey, you know what? Shout out Red Star for getting on the board, though. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. But this is just what Man City does. This is the group stage. They are waltzing through this group. Like yes, no, no <laughs> contest, and the same goes for Barcelona and Group H, uh, a five-nil routing over Antwerp. Yao Felix opened it up in the eleventh, um, and then Lewandowski in the seventeenth, an own goal from uh, Batatile, I believe is how you say that. I don't know, Bat Bat Batalai. I don't know. It was an own goal in twenty-second, and then uh, Gavi puts one on the board in the fifty-first, fifty-fourth. Sorry, and then Yao Felix completes the brace in the 66th. Just a an obvious result, honestly. Yep, Yao Felix proving to Chelsea that it wasn't him; it was us. Certainly was. Um, <laughs> but uh, the next matchup from oh, fuck, dude, this this website is killing me. Uh, I'm just looking on Google. I probably should be as well. Uh, but the last <laughs> matchup from uh, Tuesday, Shakhtar Donetsk uh, falls 3-1 to FC Porto. Um, yeah, Porto just looked really good in this one. Porto are just, you know, they're that Champions League team, man. They're, they just yeah. seem to always look good in the Champions League. Definitely. Uh, and then Wednesday's matches, Galatasaray and Copenhagen in Group A, they draw 2-2. Um, I thought Galatasaray was going to take this one. Um, especially the late game heroics. So Copenhagen actually started off the game up 2-0. Um, Elianusi, uh, a pretty common name. We've we've seen him quite a bit, just about everywhere. Um, <laughs> scores in the 35th minute, and then uh, Diego or Diogo Goldsalves uh, in the 58th minute. But then Galatasaray, 86th minute with Bue, and then Tete scores in the 88th. And it seemed like they probably would complete it with that player down for Copenhagen. Only 10 guys on the field. Uh, but Mauro Cardi just uh, couldn't get it done. Yeah, unbelievable. I, I really, you know, to your point, thought Galatasaray was going to take it too because they, you know, we've talked about it before. They have like a really low-key loaded team with players all around yeah. Europe that have, you know, played for really big teams. Um, yeah, just couldn't edge it out versus Copenhagen. Yeah. Um, and they arguably should. Yeah. Uh, sure. Nonetheless, Group C, Real Madrid beats Union Berlin 1-0. And who else? Jude Bellingham. Who else? <laughs> 90th plus four to beat Union Berlin, the surprise of the Bundesliga last year. Uh, but Real Madrid gets it done. Three points is three points. Oh, my God. This Real Madrid team, like, they just look like they're having so much fun with Jude Bellingham on their team, man. Yeah, dude, they um, don't even care. Look at this lineup. Yeah. They have Joselu and Rodrigo at striker. Yeah. <laughs> they're just lining up however the fuck they want to. Maybe Jude Bellingham is the coach now um, with how much Honestly. I see him on my feed. But um, I just he Jude Bellingham cannot be stopped, man. He is – is it safe to say he's been in, like the best player in the world? Uh, as far as like this season is gone, him and Holland. Yeah, and that's the only other player I could really think of. Yeah, Julian Alvarez. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Two the oh, two man. strikers for Man City <laughs> would probably uh, sneak into that conversation. Uh, but like no Cruz in this game, no Valverde. 
I think they both got subbed on late, but still, guys you'd expect in a starting lineup for Real Madrid, and they still certainly got it done. You know what, though? Shout out Union Berlin for kind of, well, you know, looking at the stats now, Real Madrid did have 32 shots, 7 on target, and 76% possession. So, I mean, yeah, maybe Union Berlin didn't give them much of a game, but, I mean, hey, they made it look close on paper. So Yeah, and also trying something new out, putting Lucas Vazquez at right back for Real Madrid. No. Very interesting, especially considering that you could have put Nacho at right back and then put Kamavinga at left back instead of Alba, but nonetheless, they got it done. Um, Let's see. Our other matches from that Wednesday, Bayern, a 4-3 win over Manchester United. Wow. Wow, this game, dude. Rasmus Hoylun getting a goal there, and Casemiro twice, 88th minute, 95th. My gosh. Yeah, but Sané scores in the 28th, Nabry in the 32nd. <laughs> they take that 2-0 lead going into the half. Hoyland, like you said, um, tries to answer in the 49th, but Kane scores a penalty in the 53rd, and then Tell in the 90th plus 2 makes Casemiro's 90th plus 5 useless. Yep, and... Um... And Bayern definitely were the better team, even with the stats. It's yeah. just, you know, Manchester United were really clinical. Um, and they really I, – I thought Bayern might walk all over. Really I did, did too. Yeah. <clears throat> but, hey, 4-3 is not bad at all. Yeah. And it's – let's be honest. See, uh, in Andre Germany, Onana said it himself. It was his fault. And it was. That – that. how did yeah. he not fucking save that shot? I know. Crazy. <laughs> Absolutely insane. Uh, not good. <clears throat> um, but also, this Bayern defense should not have looked this bad. This is a good Bayern defense. They should not be giving up three goals to Man U. No, not at all. And, you know, a Man U team that's kind of struggled um, attacking-wise. It, it seems like they just can't, like, can't figure out, like, what to do with Rashford, it seems. Um, yeah. But, you know, maybe with Rasmus Hoylun kind of getting a goal here, submit submitting himself at striker – I've said it before and I'll say it again. Marcus Rashford is best when he is not the focal point of scoring on this team. Um, and, I mean, you could see it in, in their three goals uh, in this game versus Bayern. But um, Christian Eriksen, a 5.6 match rating. The worst match ratings I've seen all season. But, um, yeah, I mean, really, really good game. Definitely the game of uh, game of the week for Champions League. Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> you're uh, – Europa League Kings, Sevilla. A 1-1 draw with Lens of uh, Liga. Obviously trying to get right back down to that Europa League. Yep, that's that's the goal, man. Yeah, every year. That's Sevilla's goal. Um, don't make it to the knockout stages of the Champions League so you can go down so and we win can... Europa League. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we had that Arsenal 4-0 victory over PSV that we talked plenty about earlier. Uh Napoli taking a 2-1 victory over Braga in Group C. Um, that's a that's a pretty close match there. Di Lorenzo scored it in the fifty or uh, 45th plus one. Um, and then Bruma scores the equalizer in the 84th. And then Braga commits an own goal in the 88th minute to give Napoli the victory. Oh, man. Brutal. They could have, you know, gotten a 1-1 draw yeah. with a very good team there. Yeah, getting away with a 1-1 <laughs> draw there, especially in Group C that's really not the best um would be fantastic like if they could 
if Braga gets points there, they're ahead of Union Berlin, and then they really just have to deal with Real Madrid, which is obviously a loss. Um, yeah. But <laughs> Union Berlin could also give Napoli a run for their money. For sure. I think so. Especially seeing their weakness against Braga. Um, and then the uh, last two matches uh, out of Group D, we had a 1-1 draw between Real Sociedad and Inter Milan. Um, Real Sociedad got it started early. The fourth minute, Mendez scores a goal, and it only <laughs> it took quite a while for Lautaro Martinez to equalize in the 87th <laughs> minute. Um, but he gets it done for his side, but Sociedad looked very, very good against this Inter team. Yeah, um, I just can't believe that Marco Arnautovic is back like in the public eye playing yeah. for like another big team. I, I don't understand you know, the players that um, like they go to the Prem and I think he was at Stoke City, right? Yeah, he was at Stoke for a little bit. Yeah, and then he moves to China, I think. And now he's back, you know, playing Champions League games. You know, you love to see it. Um, yeah. But what you don't love to see if you're Inter Milan is – uh, Real Sociedad had 14 shots to Inter Milan six, so it's it's not really like Inter Milan dominated this game at all, and and it's kind of like Sociedad probably should have won. Yeah, I I really do think they should have, though. Inter held the possession just a little bit more. Um, you're right; the shots kind of told the story in this one. Sociedad's attacking just looked better, yeah, a lot better, and and even. With Inter Milan having a 56% possession, you would kind of expect a pass accuracy better than 82%. Yeah. I, I think that's probably kind of, um, aside from shots, that's kind of another story of how this game was, is uh, they didn't really pass the ball very well. Yeah. And then uh, to finish it out, Group D with a surprising result, Benfica uh, falls 2-0 to Salzburg. And a red card, too. Brutal. Yeah. How wild! So that is crazy. Salzburg with fourteen shots and Benfica didn't score. They had fifteen shots, seven on target, and fifty-seven percent possession. That's yeah. um not good at all. No, <laughs> I can definitely see where the red card comes from. That's a uh, purely frustration right there. Yeah, Benfica oh, certainly uh, struggled to uh, convert there. They probably should have had some goals. Even a team with Di Maria, they aren't scoring. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Well, Angel Di Maria isn't the best. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, more. he is ancient at this point, but yeah. I mean, he's still a legend. Agreed. So uh, we get a break next week from the Champions League, and then it starts right back up for match day two, Tuesday and Wednesday, October 3rd and 4th. And um, yeah, we'll talk about that one next week, but pretty excited. Champions League's off to a hot start. Yeah, I can't wait. And hey, I, I actually I want to go back to this. Di Maria does have four goals in five games in the uh, Premier Liga. Hell yeah! So he he should have uh, he should have been there in this one. But um, yeah, it Champions League, man. I mean, what what is more to say? It, it's just so much fun. I cannot wait for the Serbia game. I cannot yes. wait for Red Star Belgrade's home game. They're gonna show out. Oh yeah, uh, that's for sure. Actually, I believe they're playing at home next week. Yes, uh, Young Boys comes to town. Um, cool. nonetheless, let's get into questions time and then, uh, we'll get on out of here, but Luke, um, I'm going to start it off again. How does that sound? All right. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Who's your early season pick for NFL MVP? Uh, Justin Jefferson. All right. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I think he had 11 receptions, 159 yards. Um, 
it I I don't know. I mean, you could maybe it, has Kirk Cousins been the best quarterback in the league? I as far? Tua has. I, I, Tua Tua didn't really have the best game against the Patriots. I know Kirk Cousins only one interception, six touchdowns through two weeks. Yeah, Tua's seven fifteen, so just a few more yards. Uh, only four touchdowns, two interceptions. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe Kirk with, has been the best quarterback. With the way that it's shaping up, I, I think this is a year for a receiver to do it. I mean, you could yeah. even make a case for Tyreek Hill, the way that he looked week one. And, I mean, week two wasn't really that bad for him. Puka? Um, I don't. I want to flip the question. What do you What do you think? Uh, yeah, Puka Nakua. <laughs> but, um, um, yeah, it, it's it's weird to not have a quarterback much in the conversation. Um, I like Tua. I like, I like Kirk. Um, I, I might have to be in the same boat with you though. Justin Jefferson with three hundred nine already is pretty crazy. Yeah, um, You're ridiculous. But I, I think I'm gonna go Tyreek. Um. Four less receptions, um, only like 50 less yards, and he has got three touchdowns, and Jefferson's got zero. Justin Jefferson doesn't have a touchdown this year? Nope. Wow. Probably shouldn't fumble it through the end zone. (laughs) Um, All right. What's your uh, Um, NFL question? So mine was kind of broad, but I think I'm going to narrow it now that I'm okay. reading it now. But it was originally, what are your thoughts on the Bengals, Chargers, and the Vikings? Obviously, like kind of the the two biggest 0-2 teams. But um, obviously with this week, we have the game uh, between the Vikings and the Chargers, and the Bengals play the Buccaneers, correct? Yes. So I guess I'm going to narrow my question to if any no, of – The Bengals play the Rams. Rams, Sorry. Um, if any of these te- teams go down to zero and three, is their season over? Um, it, because like the, the teams are so good, yeah, it just kind of seems weird to write them off. But zero and three is really bad. It definitely is. Obviously, one of these teams has to because two of them are playing each other. Um, I I don't know if anybody's season's over though. Like three three yeah. losses doesn't end your season. There, there's fourteen other games for you to win. Yep. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say no for all of them. I don't think it, there's obviously things to address for all the teams. I think that's obvious. It, and yep. I am confident that all three of these teams can make the changes, make those improvements, and yes. end up winning football games. I think what I'll have to say though. I would be more confident in the Chargers or the Vikings to be 0-3 than I would the Bengals with how they've looked in the past couple weeks. Yeah, I, I think I could agree with that. Uh, an 0-3 Bengals team looks much worse on paper than, yes. than an 0-3 Chargers or Vikings. Because the Chargers and Vikings, you know, despite them being 0-2, there are still a lot of good things that we yeah. can pick apart about those teams, but we can't really say a lot of good things about the Bengals so far. No, not at all. No. Anyway, um, all right, go ahead. MLB, yeah. what we got? Uh, with the Yankees all but eliminated, uh, will you be rooting for a team in the playoffs? Um, yes, I will. Um, okay. obviously, with the hometown team, I would like to see the Braves do well. Um, but I can't pick your team, man. For for the sake of the the story on the podcast, I'm I'm gonna go with the Cubs or the Reds. Whoever makes it out of those two teams is who I'm going to pull for. Okay. Sounds good to nice me. Nice little underdog story. What? what well, I, I guess I can't flip that question uh, yeah, for you. you can't. Um, um, in the past, though, in, <clears throat> in years where, like, the Braves have gone down, 
um, early, like last year, um, I found myself rooting for the Guardians, which also did not end well. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited. I, I'm obviously if the Braves go out in the first round, I'm rooting for the Orioles. Um, I think that's pretty obvious with how much I glaze them week by week. Uh, so yeah, that would be my my team if if the Braves weren't in the playoffs. Okay. Um. All right. Th- this I feel like this is a really good question. I, I hope this one makes you think. What baseball is better, season or April? Uh, it's the postseason by, by really a country mile. See, I. You know, this is kind of my first year really trying to pay attention to baseball and trying to cover, you know, more just than the Yankees. I was way more excited in April than I am now. And maybe that's You're, just because my change. team is 70. Yeah. It doesn't maybe matter. Maybe because my team is 76 and 76. Yeah. But, um, man, I, I just – I really enjoyed it in April. It was so exciting. And I feel like now it's just kind of drug on. I mean, it, it, don't get me wrong. It's getting exciting now. I just remember being a lot more excited in April than I was now. Yeah, I think the big thing about going into April is, yes, there's more excitement. Is it better baseball? Not always. Typically, no. Um, Like, you know, we've waited months to watch meaningful baseball. It finally gets here in April, and then it's typically not as good as it should be, but we're excited nonetheless. When it comes to the postseason, we just went through – 162 games, uh, roughly 200 days just about of watching baseball. And it finally is getting to the point where it's like, holy shit, a lot of these teams are eliminated. These are the best of the best that we're watching, finally. That's what excites me about the postseason. Obviously, it's been nice. My team makes the postseason a lot. And and yours (laughs) in history does as well. Um, but recently my, my team doesn't miss the playoffs and that makes it a whole lot better for me, but also in this wild card spot, which we're not in a wild card spot. So we at least, we at least last a couple days, uh, which is nice. (laughs) But if you're a fan of a wild card team, it it could take two games and you're done. Like that's, that sucks. Um, so I, I think that that postseason baseball is is far and away better because whether you're rooting for a team in the playoffs or you're not, you're gonna get invested in the teams. Yep. So I like that take. That's um, a good one. Yeah, it's got to be the postseason. Okay. Sure. All right. Um, good time. Soccer. Who's your favorite striker of all time? Doesn't have to be a Chelsea player. Wow. Um. Just to name a few of guys that I've always enamored, uh, Zlatan, Lewandowski, uh, Didier Drogba, of course, is probably my favorite out of all of them. Yeah. But um, I'm trying to think, uh, Shevchenko for AC Milan when he was good. Uh, hmm. That's a really good question. Yeah. Um, I, w- I would probably say those guys. Definitely, I-, I used to love Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Like, people don't understand, like, for a guy to be 6'5", a black belt in Taekwondo, and dribble like he can, and fly through the air making all these crazy kicks, like, yeah, he, at his best, is, like, complete. I mean, someone that massive that can move like him, not a lot of guys like that, ever. Yeah, Um He was sure. the full package. He was the full package. What about you? Um, So, I I started watching soccer at, like, the perfect time. 
because I, I got into it in, like, 2014, 2015. So, like, I got to see uh, an emerging Robert Lewandowski and watch him burst on the scene. I got to watch Luis Suarez do the same thing. He was fantastic to watch. I got to watch kind of the remaining years of Wayne Rooney's prime as well. Um, he's definitely one that's up there for me. Um, but I also I've definitely missed out on some great ones. Uh, those are definitely the three that stick out to me. Obviously, like Ronaldo definitely spent some time at striker, um, but was sure. primarily on the left wing with Real Madrid. Um, so yes, when he was at striker, he was certainly one of my favorites. But yeah, I think my my main ones are Lewandowski, Luis Suarez, and uh, Wayne Rooney. I also I also love Harry Kane. I, I have a soft spot for Harry Kane because he just scores goals. I can like him now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can like uh, him now, which is nice. Yeah. Luis Suarez was another good one. Of course, he was always the enemy to me with yeah. you know him biting people and him honestly just being a little shit. No, he is. But um, his time at Liverpool when he was at like his physical prime, like I mean, everybody, if you haven't seen it, go look up Luis Suarez versus Norwich. I th- I think it was like two or three three goals in one game. Just a freak of nature um, yeah. at striker. Highly underrated too. For sure. Our generation. Um, <laughs> your soccer question. See, this is the connection that you and I have. I also have a striker question for oh, you. Nice. Who would you start bench or cut? Okay. Rooney, Aguero, or Drogba? Damn, Aguero is one that I forgot. Um, ooh. Man. And we're talking prime for, for all three, I'm assuming. Not, yeah, okay. just like peak peak best. Okay. Um, best I'm going to go – I'm going to start Aguero. There, dude, to me, there was nothing like him in, in like his <laughs> best seasons at Man City. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to go Aguero, Drogba, Rooney. So, so you're, start, you're... start bench cut, Aguero, Drogba, Rooney. Gotcha. Um, I know I just said Rooney is one of my favorites, but – the the things that Sergio Aguero and and Didier Drogba can do with the ball at their feet is what what does it for me. That's insane. What's even crazier is an Argentina team that had prime Higuain, prime Messi, and prime Aguero, prime Di Maria, yeah, and prime Di- Dybala too. Yeah, yeah, could not get it done. It only took all of the new fresh young guys to come in and Messi to win the World Cup. Yeah, insane. it took uh, an MLS player. Um, a Brighton player, <laughs> yeah, uh, Aston Villa goalkeeper, and Lionel Messi. Um, so if the question was flipped on me, I would have to start Drogba, and that's totally biased there. But also, Drogba was just a complete goal scorer. He could yeah. score from long range. He was powerful, strong, fast. Um, score with his head, of course. Um, he was just the complete package at striker, in my opinion. Um, I'm actually going to bench Rooney because uh, I know that we were talking about strikers here, but Rooney, you know, at the end of his career was a center attacking mid and he yeah. played it very well. Um, so I'm benching Rooney for the depth there. I'm going to, um, I'm going to cut Aguero. I I've always, um, I'll admit that he's good, but I think in my mind, I underrate him probably more than I should. Yeah. He's one of the prolific scorers in premier league history. Yes. I think that's a safe way to to talk about Sergio Aguero. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, 
I, I think that does that for the uh, the meat of the episode. Um, I'm not quite ready to to discuss episode 100 just yet. So it's fine. Maybe maybe we'll have that discussion on episode uh, you know a little down the road. Um, I've had some content ideas that I'm going to run past Luke in private. That's going to be something we don't talk about on the podcast. Um, yes. So we'll, we'll stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, make sure you're liking, subscribing, commenting on YouTube. If you're watching right now, follow all the socials that are right here below us. And then go to the podcast platform, or if you're already there, go five stars, follow everything you kind of know the deal by now if you listen to the end of the episode every time you've probably heard me say this uh, quite a few times uh i apologize to everybody that has to watch these while i my measly attempt at growing a mustache um i just want to be like luke that's that's (laughs) come on no don't flatter me like that come on (laughs) yeah i'm trying i am i am physically trying um to grow a mustache and it's not happening so um yeah, I apologize to everybody on YouTube that had to has to look at that for the probably six months until it's even noticeable uh, at the rate <laughs> we're going. But nonetheless, thank you guys for liking, following, subscribing, listening, uh, watching, uh, clicking. I don't know what you guys do uh, while you watch these or listen to these, but I do appreciate you guys uh, tuning in. And um, yeah, I think that's going to do it for us. Anything for the people, Luke? Um... No, no. I, I well, I think the the Brooks hat says uh, says everything that you know the people should do. It's true, but shout out Brooks. This one's not sponsored. It's not sponsored. No, but no shout free out shout outs. Shout out. No free shout out to, uh, to Brooks. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah, this is a fantastic weekend in sports. So I I urge you to uh, sit on your couch all day Saturday and Sunday and just <laughs> sink. Just become a part of that couch and. Um, Maybe occasionally get up for something, um, use the bathroom. I, nobody wants you shitting on the couch. But yeah. nonetheless, that's going to do it for us, guys. And um, I need to stop saying nonetheless. So we'll see you all next week. Peace. Peace.